Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast. And I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hello and welcome to the latest Blue Pea Leader podcast. I was recently asked by a client for help around doing high energy remote meetings, especially on a Monday morning. And I thought I'd share with you some of the things that I shared with her. Because let's face it, it's tough when we're used to being in the same room, but now we're having to interact through Zoom or Skype or Teams. And so it comes with extra challenges of how do we keep everybody engaged? How do we make the, meaning, the meetings meaningful? And so as either more flexible working comes in, working from home continues, basically working remotely is going to be increasing. Um, I'm going to share with you three things that you can do that will help you have high energy meetings. So... I'm going to look at how you can do high energy meetings, some of the things you need to consider for a Monday morning meeting kickoff, and lastly, what you can do at the end of the week that actually sets you up for the next week more productively or resourcefully. So, the thing about virtual meetings is that any bad practice we had in a physical meeting in some way gets exacerbated um, or the problem becomes bigger when we're actually virtual. So, of course, when we're doing our physical meetings, there should be an agenda, which clearly includes an outcome for why you're even having the meeting in the first place. And I know not every meeting ever has one of those. But let's face it, if the outcomes aren't clear, then um, <laughs> sometimes says, why are we actually even having the meeting? Um, but of course, when we, when we know the outcomes, it allows us to go, right, okay, so who do I need to invite? Why do I want them there? We have that specificity. So the clarity of outcome and the structure of the agenda, we know that they're not always present when we're having office meetings. But here's the thing, it doesn't stop us attending them. But what we do is we take along a notepad or our laptop and when we're bored or disengaged or just lose the will to live, we appear to multitask and get on with something else. So we kind of, we're still in the room, but we're not actually in the room in a sense of participating with the meeting. Now, once we're virtual, we still disengage, we do the same things, but our um, switch, that our subtlety to be able to sometimes detect when we're in a room that something shifted, it's like picking up on those micro signals, then when we're virtual, we don't get to pick up on that. So we really almost like completely disappear. And if you don't have video on for meetings, then you from the point of view of leading it, you actually have very little to go on to know or guess whether people are actually still with you and involved. So the thing about outcome and agenda is it helps you decide, should you have the meeting that way or is there another way that you can actually achieve your outcome? You don't all need to get together. You know, we talk about being zoomed out. 
Um, so sometimes this will also help you realise, do you know what, there's actually another way I could do this. Maybe I could use Slack or I don't know, anything else. So the other thing to keep in mind is that whilst the duration of any meeting should actually always be as short as it possibly needs to be to achieve the outcome, virtual meetings have a natural limit beyond which we really, really do struggle. So 90 minutes, I would say, is about the maximum. Um, and, and it kind of goes along with the more people you have, the shorter it needs to be. So in some cases, the best thing to ask yourself is, can I actually split this into two to keep it short and on point? Um, but I tend to turn around and say that, you know, less than an hour is good because once we get past 45 minutes, we start to hit all the problems and the challenges when we're leading the thing, which is to keep the energy there and to keep the focus and to keep participation strong. And of course, yes, it is a meeting, so people should be participating. Because if they're not, it's more like a presentation. And so good questions to ask yourself are you know, things like, am I getting participation? What level? What type? And are people being talked over? And of course, the thing is, if we're doing virtual meetings and it's voice only, then yes, there's going to be a possibility that people end up talking over one another more than when it's a video. Because, of course, if we're paying attention, we can, and I mean really paying attention, we can start and see the cues that somebody wants to talk. And if we do start talking over somebody, we get the feedback faster than if it is merely over the phone on a non-video version. And so it helps if you establish some rules for being present in the meeting. So for me, there are some meetings that I have and I'm less strict on video usually because I know the people very well, maybe it's just two or three of us. But once numbers increase or we know each other less, then it's different. Then I have to say I want the video on because, and this is a, it's still a generalisation, it's not an absolute, but because it's, it allows me to see, even though it's all small tiles, I can see the tiny changes that tell me something's happening, something's shifting. It's my active listening and my sensory awareness on alert. And if people come on and they you know, go, they go switch their video off, sometimes the answer, you know, when you when you probe into, so why is that? It's like, well, you know, I'm having a bad hair day, or I've got distractions behind me, or or you know, I'm not, I'm I'm doing the video in a different room, and I'm not so proud of me state of me wallpaper. I basically, I, none of that matters, you know. What happens is when you switch off the video, you lose quite a bit of information, 55% to be exact, because communication is made up of body language, voice and the words we use. And one of the things we're used to in an actual face-to-face -face meeting is that we get the whole lot, the whole 100%. And of course, I would say we get a little bit more besides because we can also feel the person, not literally, um, but we kind of feel the energy um once we're now behind the screen, depending on how much of the person we can see, we've now got reduced body language, which happens when we turn the video off, and, and energy levels drop, and actually the possibility for misunderstandings also increases. Now, sometimes people say to me, but Ruth, I don't want to look at myself. And, and, you know, when you've got all these tiles, it's like you're drawn to yourself. So, you know, you can take your tile out so that you don't, don't look at yourself. But what I have to say is, actually, the more you do this, what happens is if you do keep yourself as a little tile, 
The advantage to that is it is good sometimes to just check and look, am I giving the appropriate facial recognition responses to what's been said? Um, You know, in some remote meetings, we might all be on mute. And so whilst we don't want to talk over one another, you can actually register your thoughts on your face. Well, we do actually register as thoughts on his face. But you can do it in terms of sort of like maybe, oh, you use thumbs up. So we're giving that feedback more clearly, more consciously. And the thing is, once you've got yourself on this small tile and, you know, after a little bit, you, you do just forget that you're there. Um, it's just because it's something weird, different, new that you are drawn to be looking at yourself. Now, another thing to remember is your energy is contagious. So if you put energy into the screen, you often get energy back from people. And the other thing to remember as with virtual meetings is it's actually more important to start on time. And I understand that sometimes there's those lovely little techie gremlins to sort out which can delay things by a minute or so but what we tend to have as a bad habit with physical meetings is that we say it starts at 10 o'clock and people are still arriving with their cup of coffee or whatever about 10 minutes later um, because they got caught in the corridor by somebody or what or the previous meeting overran or those kind of things and we tend to accept it and think it's not so bad because there's enough of us in the room and we kind of chit-chat. The thing about when we're virtual is it's actually way, way better to start on time. And people can catch up within the first one or two minutes. Because what you're doing is you're actually signalling, this is important, you are important, I'm important, we value what we're doing together. Again, if we're in a room together, we're doing the chit-chat, it's easier for the energy to be communicated. But if we're doing these things virtually, it's like we can we can burn up valuable energy just chit-chatting, waiting for people to arrive. Um, and you also want in your meetings to try and structure it so that you have as much interaction as you possibly So asking questions, getting people to ask questions and, you know, sometimes it's about telling people how they can ask the question. Is it that they raise their hand or hit a button or type in the chat? You know, sometimes we just overlook that really simple thing um, and, and afterwards we're like, well, people don't really participate and then they were like, well, I didn't really know how to because, you know, one person's meeting, we do it this way, another. So sometimes just clarifying the tiny things can actually make a big difference. And of course, if you know anything about social styles, then it is good to bear in mind people's social style because now we've got a screen between us. It also impacts how um, how we communicate. And so, you know, you can bear in mind how you're going to encourage them based on their social style to interact. And one of the last things to think about in this is contrast. So one option, if possible, is to have a non-meeting day with your team. So they're still getting on with their work, but they're not pressured into doing the meetings, be that phone calls or video ones. It just allows us to recharge. Um, And, you know, this links to limit the number of back-to-back video ones that you do because it does get more draining because you're now having to pick up these tinies. The tiny signals you picked up in a physical room, you're now having to pick them up but through a screen and it is more challenging. I know from myself, it's like I'm now doing virtual trainings. They're working great. But I could be in a room for eight hours doing a physical training and leave going, wow, I 
don't do an eight hour full on virtual training because I've just said really you need to limit it to 90 minutes and then you know break it down that way but if I do say three or four trainings in a day each of 90 minutes I'm at the moment still more exhausted I'm kind of building up my stamina so this is just something to bear in mind so let's move on to my second point Monday morning kickoff so often with these kind of things, we still have an agenda, but the kickoff on a Monday morning, we'd like to open it with a little bit of chat. And depending on where you are in the world and what's going on with variations of lockdown or anything else like that, then sometimes opening with, oh, tell me about your weekend now can be a little bit, oh, where's this going to go? Because we may not necessarily be doing on a weekend what we would normally do on a weekend. And so unwittingly, we start the meeting off in a low gear. Um, uh, we maybe start talking about all the downsides of the implications of COVID and things like that. So, so we've sort of we're introducing this low energy. So, here's one thing that I would definitely say is a way to start a Monday morning kickoff meeting, and that's with wins and successes. What was good about last week? And these wins and successes could be in a work context, but you know what? They could also be personal because you know what's going on is affecting the whole of our life. And and it is possible that somebody might be sitting there going, do you know what, the work side of my life last week, there were some challenges and really I don't think I managed to make any progress. But there were some personal challenges and yippee, I got a win there. And here's the thing, they because it allows them to share more of themselves in a positive way, it actually enriches relationships, deepens connections and increases that sense of belonging. It's like we really know the person. And of course, then you can move into discussing anything else that you would normally discuss in your Monday morning kickoff, which could be the targets for the week, the KPIs. Um, It could also be who's got some slack and capacity this week and can help other people out. And of course, then people talking about what's going to happen in the next week. You know, one of the things for you to do is to genuinely really listen to the level of commitment. Are there any underlying issues emerging? Anything not being said that you would expect to be said? This is really testing your active listening skills. And of course, sometimes it's like, what time do you schedule a Monday morning kickoff, given that it's virtual? And really, I guess this is down to flexibility. You know, when you're in the office, it might have been that it was a nine o'clock meeting. Um, and those who wanted to catch up beforehand would come in earlier and then everybody was free for the rest of the day. The thing is, maybe at the moment we need to be a little bit more or we need to be able to respond to the higher state of flux that we've got going on at the moment. You know, kids now have returned to school, but that doesn't mean to say that things aren't going to shift. So we don't necessarily know. It's almost like being able to, how do we respond to things that change going forwards? So, you know, sometimes you might actually want to schedule your meetings a little later in the morning to allow people to respond to anything from over the weekend and get some headspace. So I know from my perspective, first thing Monday morning, my brain is gearing up for all the things I need to do. And, you know, nine o'clock, but nine thirty, ten o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. I've covered all the bits and pieces. My headspace is there and I am so in the zone. I can do the active listening. The other thing you can do in virtual meetings, but also in a Monday morning kickoff, is rotate the chair. Give other people the opportunity to lead this. So, now my last point, which is, you know, how do you set things up for success? So, one way that we can set up a Monday morning kickoff kickoff as a high-energy, motivating event is influenced, actually, by how we shut down the week. So, one of the things I do 
at the end, well actually I do this at the end of every day, is prepare for the next day. It takes me about five minutes. And yeah, there's some days I don't quite get to do it, but at the end of the day, I plan the following day. And then when I start that day, I quickly check email just to sometimes go, is my plan still going to work or do I need to make a few modifications? And then I'm off and running. Now, at the end of the week, I create my outline plan for the next week so that I can still hit my targets and my deliverables. I also take time to reflect on what were my wins, my successes and my learnings. Where do I need to course correct? Which means now on a Monday morning, I'm prepared to share them and I'm not having to think about it or wing it. I'm also clear on what and where I need help and support. So again, when I'm having my conversations, either with the team or having conversations with my mentor, I am prepared. The beauty about doing this on a Friday is it's kind of like a close the door on work for the weekend. The benefit of this is my unconscious mind now knows what it's working on. And then when I come in on a Monday morning, it's like, right, here you go. Here's the answers. And so I'm actually working with my brain. If I don't do this on a Friday, if I don't do this kind of shut down, then my weekends can get quite quite messy with my mind randomly popping up with ideas and don't forgets and ooh, what ifs. So in this episode, I've covered what I would think of as more process things that you can do to have productive, high energy remote meetings and I think remote leadership is going to be a very very valuable skill in the coming months and years and I would say now is is definitely the time to get ahead of the curve in terms of equipping yourself because remote leadership really does test your ability to actively listen your test your sensory awareness what are you actually paying attention to it's going to test your conversational and coaching skills as well um I've been teaching remote leadership to some of my clients recently Uh, They lovingly call this my Jedi mind stuff. And so if you want to know more of these kind of things, if you want to know more about how you can really improve your active listening, your conversational and coaching skills to work remotely, then do get in touch with me at bluepeapod.com. And until next time, I hope this podcast has helped you think about some of the things you can do to have more energetic, engaged remote meetings. (music) 